Welcome to Success with Style, everyone. I'm Rob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. I'm Lance Levy Morgan, and we are really excited to have Juliana Halfpower here today with us, which is about 1,400 consonants in one name, but it's worth every one. And as someone who has a bunch of consonants and vowels, I appreciate that. Can we buy a vowel from you today? <laughs> There's an A. <laughs> There's an A. There's a lot of A's. Well, welcome. We're so excited to have you. So a lot of people know you and a lot of people may not know you. And those who may not know you may not know that you're sort of the customer on the scene today. If films, television, you're the it girl. Well, thanks. I haven't heard that yet. Well, so. it started here then. <laughs> now I've heard it. I've heard a lot about it, but we're so excited to have you. And you have such an illustrious career. I don't even know, know where to begin. I really don't. Why don't you begin for us? Where did it all begin? Well, I was going to ask, I was going to ask Juliana, what's the first dollar she ever made? Oh, that's a good first question. Oh, the first dollar. Hmm. Legitimate dollar. Legitimate dollar. (laughs) I would say I, my first job was not in high school, but right after high school, before college, I worked at a law firm. Oh. In the mail room. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yes. Having worked in a law firm myself through college, I know what that's like. It was my first kind of grown-up experience because um, I drove downtown and then I hopped on the Dillo. Oh yeah, when That's, they used to have I re- Dillo. the good old Dillo. Yeah, right, may it rest in peace. Which was the the Texas version of the cable car in San Francisco, if you will. And it was free. That and was, was free. that That's was the right. most wonderful thing was yeah. back in the day. It was yeah. free. I never hopped on a Dillo. Yeah, it was an experience. I ma- it made me feel. Like I was a working girl, working and then I would girl, go yeah. up and into the mailroom <laughs> to be a working girl. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, and that was that was a really great experience. Um, they were all very nice, um, but it did confirm my feelings that I did not want to work in an office. Right, because you are you do so much on location yes. with your films, which is really cool. So every day is kind of a brand new day for you, right? That's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about how you got into that. Well, I always wanted to be in theater and film. Um, I was in theater when I was a kid here in Austin. And, oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. What'd I you had, do? I was in plays with school. I was in a play at Capital City Playhouse yeah, when sure. I was a preteen and awesome. did Dee Dee Clark's kids acting and was in a, a theater at Austin High. And um, then I. Were you a Red Dragon at Austin High? You know. I guess we were called Red Dragons, but I don't think we ever referred to ourselves as the Red Dragons. Okay, that's what it was called back in my day. I... I don't think we called drama it. geeks. That's we what were total drama. Way before Glee, yeah, what we were known for. Before yes. Glee made it cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I loved all that, and um, I got a I got to be around the set of Lonesome Dove, and yeah. so that was kind of a concrete experience for me. And I was like, oh, there's people that can really make a living out Wasn't of this. Incredible. And so it was. I was on that film. Yeah. you were just a kid. I was a kid. I was an extra. Oh, you were? Yes. Okay. So I, I had pops. that whole... So, did? yeah. Oh, with... Um, oh, with... Uh, his name. With someone. His name is someone. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to come back. Well, I was going to say... Williamson, Eric right? Williamson. Eric Williamson. Yes. yes. Eric and I did a lot of films here because he was the guy back in the day. Eric, if you're listening to you, man, I miss you. I haven't talked to you in forever. Hi, Eric. Yeah, he was a UPM on a, on a show that I did several years ago down in Brownsville. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah. Neat. So what... What about it when you were on Lonesome Dub? And was that the first time you were on like a set, like a movie set? Oh, yeah. So uh, what yeah. what made you 
be like, I really want to be here? Because that's different from theater. So what made you decide that medium? Well, there we went on set while we were in Austin. We went on set down in Del Rio. So it was like this kind of traveling circus atmosphere. And it was a big budget, too. Texas had not seen anything like that. And I don't think anyone attached to it at the time knew it was going to be that huge. No. And it was really a small crew. Yeah. And so it felt like a, you know, an intimate project. Yeah, like a family, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, do you feel that all films feel like a family while you're in it and on it? Not, not really. Not as like a full film. I mean, recently I'm more in um, behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So like your department can feel like a family, your costume department. Your wardrobe trailer yes. can feel like a family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone that comes to the wardrobe trailer. Right. Um, so so a lot of times, recently I've been off set, but these smaller ones that I've worked on where i am been designing, that has been, you know, getting back to the roots of that whole feeling of a, of a, a small, intimate project where you're working behind the scenes and on the scenes kind of you know doing everything absolutely well that's actually how we met you we were background ambiance actors as i'm going to call us extras (laughs) to the real people out there (laughs) and you were the costumer for the iron orchard yes which was a big texas film is a big texas film uh reminiscent of i'd say giant and these big grander than life versions of the oil story in Texas and how it uh, really paralleled the, the trajectory of growth with Texas, right? So uh, the period was the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yes. So tell us about that experience because it was so much fun working with you. You look like, you made us look like a million bucks. Well, thank you. Um, that was, well, you know, you start off reading the script and then you. You know, you figured, oh, okay, so this is 30s, 40s, and 50s. So um, it's kind of like I would imagine be like a science fiction film because it was such a different planet mm-hmm. back then mm-hmm. with foundation garments and how people wore clothes and how they carried themselves when they wore those clothes. Tell us about that. Well, there, you know, there wasn't a lot, and so they, you know, they it was a simpler time and simpler clothes, and they took care of the the pieces that they had and they presented themselves differently in that, you know, they tucked in their shirts, <laughs> right? presented themselves like the best way they could. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what the socioeconomic status from humble origins to the very wealthy, it was all about kind of that outward appearance. Exactly. Which wouldn't, doesn't that reflect who someone is though inside as well? I mean, I think definitely back then that's how it was. Nowadays, you know, we're all dressing for comfort and not ease. me. Not <laughs> yes, very much so. A lot of people, um, myself included. Um, By the way, you look very chic right now. Thank you. Yeah, not every customer <laughs> looks chic, so that's the dirty little secret. Well, secret, we, right? we do have long hours. You have long hours, but you look extra chic today. <laughs> so, Thank you. So I was going to ask She's wearing like, a black when, gown, when you read, everyone. You know, like. The <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's Long strapless and sequined and white gloves. <laughs> so, yeah, you really came prepared <laughs> in, in character. So when you read a script, like the whether it's The Iron Orchard or any other of the projects that you're doing, when you read a character, have you are you already, in, like, 
what's your process in this is what this person should look like this is how this person should dress yeah the scripts usually you know gives you a lot of information um and when it doesn't you try to fill in the blanks or you ask the director you know for insight to specific characters but usually you start with the script and there are a lot of clues along the way so you know when they start with something you know like he wears a stetson hat then you make sure you have a stetson hat mm-hmm. and a stetson hat that fits him correctly and mm-hmm. then you, you and then you you go from that to like you know what would he wear with the stetson hat um you know he takes a lot of pride in that hat or you know so you take those clues and um you go from there Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes total. That sense. makes total sense. Well, and Stetson hats were a big part of Texas, and the story that you told, it kind of created that persona of the lead actor Lane Garrison, who's wildly talented. And so you had mentioned the director Ty Roberts, great, and the production team Houston Hill, Houston Hill, Camille Chambers. What a great team that yes. must have been to work with. It was great. They, um, everyone was really excited about the project, and we had you know not a lot of time to prepare and. We had a lot to do, and so they were like, here you go. And <laughs> Good luck with that, right? <laughs> well, well, Lane had mentioned to me about how incredible you were because of how he had to change costumes often and quickly, you know, from one take to the other. And it, a lot of it was sort of aging, too. So there's like a fat suit involved, not that he's fat or not mm. that his character was fat, but... Maybe the the dad twenty or whatever I don't know what to call that yes. twenty pounds. The dad bod. I think that's bot. what they call yeah. it now. What do you kids call it today? <laughs> dad bod. Okay. Um, and so and he really uh, was so generous uh, in giving you credit with helping him create that character. He's a generous person. He yes. Is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was a challenge in itself. I mean, he goes from rags to riches, and so um, you know we had to kind of keep his wardrobe simple at the beginning and then try to tell um visually that he had succeeded and in his dress and you know we had limited we had limited resources for that Mm -hmm. but I think we were able to kind of stretch it out well and then on top of that whole thing you're also keeping track of continuity which is right which is brutal which is a whole other job yeah right so that was that kind of kept us all on our toes. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village, right? Well, well and so what's really cool is that you have done a recent hit, The Green Book. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Because I remember you. we were talking about that film while you were attached to The Iron Orchard last year. And so year before last, actually. And I was like, wow, that's such a cool concept. And it's this monster hit that yeah. you were attached to. Yeah, I worked for the designer was Betsy Hyman, and um, so my job on that show was the key customer in charge of the background. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of background, and so I was just every day we had fittings mm. from nine to five, mm-hmm. and. Um, what was the largest number of extras you had on a set that you had to fit in a day? Probably 150. Wow. Holy moly. In eight hours? Are you kidding? 
Well, we had oh, and, and no, we didn't <laughs> have to say. fit that. No, we would we would fit about forty people a day. Okay, yeah, that's still a lot. No, but yeah, and so like that day, they all came one hundred and fifty. Got and you. Get them all dressed. Got right. it. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, how yeah, do you, you know. do one hundred and fifty <laughs> appointments in eight hours? And you know what? So whether someone is foreground in a scene or background. Their costumes were so key because I'm that guy watching, especially a period film, because I know style and fashion pretty well. I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll see, oh, yeah, oops, no, that guy would not have had flat front pants, right? Yeah. Or that woman's skirt is way too long for that year. They were already quite short or something, you know, just there are, or things that just feel out of character that, you know, so I see that all the time. So you probably had to be really careful with that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to ruin the picture when, I mean, just because something that's out of time is will stick out like a sore thumb. So right. it, you just kind of want... It's no cell phones yes. in the background. <laughs> and we're always telling, you know, the background actors, you, you know, put that cell phone away or don't put that in your pocket because you can see that right. rectangle. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly, of course. Well, that makes sense. I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So, and do you feel that with the people you dress, they uh, they appear differently uh, on film because of the costume? That's a really interesting Psych question. Psychologically, yeah. right? So, oh, yeah, how they carry themselves How they carry themselves, yes. Absolutely. People will come in and um, and then we'll put them, you know, in a suit or, you know, in a fedora, and they clean up well. Yeah, <laughs> more dignified, right? It was a more dignified world back then, at least on the outside. Yeah, and then, and then when they get their hair and makeup on top of that, that just is a real huge transformation yeah because you know and, and rob and i've talked often about how important hair is mm -hmm. in the really um, how old a person looks from another year so if you took a person from now and you put an antiquated hairstyle on them they would not look like the same person right it's, so it's a woman with long straight or rolled out hair or whatever it is now who would wear a bouffant hairdo it would completely right. change their persona mm -hmm. and they would look like a different age. They would look like a different human almost. And so I think the same thing applies to clothes and how people feel. And certainly I would imagine for very spe period specific films with foundation garments and mm -hmm. how women move mm -hmm. or might have constriction of movement affects who they are. Yes. It's, um, Green Book, especially we had, you know, the undergarments and the, we really wanted the, with the women, like the, bullet right mm -hmm. the bullet brawl as, yeah and right so, right and it's just funny we we started we were used to getting them all into those foundations but we kind of re, uh, ran into some resistance with some people oh you're kidding me <laughs> well oh, just really? you know they're just like what is this and wow you know, haven't they ever like, seen oh, an have, old film well we got to stuff this to yeah. make it, <laughs> right make it all make it do its thing <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and the dresses are made for those undergarments. Right. So you'd put on the dress, and it wouldn't fit without the undergarment. Right, it would not hold up. Well, especially, I would imagine, did you use slips? Yes. Lingerie underneath? Yes. To kind of smooth out the imperfections, if you will. Yeah, and a lot of those are real thin, too. So right. you're they're walking down the street, and you're like, oh, you know, you'll need a slip. Yeah, because it's Otherwise, it's going to go... Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, so, and so are you surprised it's a monster hit or did you have a feeling that when you were doing it, it was so... I loved the script. Yeah. So um, I read it and there was a couple scenes that I was just like, oh, I can't wait 
to work on this scene and mm. and um, and then see this scene and see how it turns out. And so, um, any surprises with the final product compared to what you envision? Not really. Um, well, actually, there was there were some surprises. So, it was filmed pretty much entirely in New Orleans and around New Orleans. Okay. And so there, you know, they, they obviously they they cheat for New York and all that but they did because new, new orleans and new york they're kind of the same town <laughs> yeah <laughs> they went visually <laughs> it's all those skyscrapers yeah. on magazines <laughs> right they did some exterior shots in uh, you know in new york but we none of us were there for that but for the majority it was shot in new orleans and um so usually the filmmaker will do anything to kind of you know, not draw attention to the fact that it was filmed in New Orleans, but they had Professor Long and Long Hair in there a couple times, and oh, it wow. was like How cool. uh, it felt like New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, it was fun, like, like the, with the music that they that they added to the soundtrack because of the jazz, right? Mm, yeah, which really evokes a time period too. That that period of jazz. Mm -hmm. So, with that in mind, because you live in New Orleans, right? You do NCIS New Orleans. I'm not an NCIS anymore. I did a I did a season and a half that's right on, that's right on that but yes i did yeah. work on NCIS. how is yeah. television different than film because i mean it's a different script every week how did that change your method of work and, and method of finding you know costumes and stuff uh well like right now i'm working on this show called on becoming a god in central florida and it's a it's a long title it yes it's a long title <laughs> it's a tv show it's a tv and it show it hasn't debuted yet no we are uh we are currently shooting the eighth episode and i don't know when it will air it's going to be on youtube oh fantastic. oh interesting yeah. yeah that's the way of the future yes yeah 10 episodes and there may be a season two and um it takes place in 1992 so we're playing I moved 80s. to Florida. I moved to Central Florida in 1992, actually. Oh, dear God. Yes, I did. Your technical I know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow, yes. Yeah, so, so that um, it moves really quickly, television does. So we will be prepping for episode eight while we're still filming episode seven. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have a lot of time to get things. So, so on it's usually note, a rush. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it an instinctual thing? Do you have to make quick decisions and know firmly and and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of do a big grab. Yeah, you know, it's right. Um, what you might need. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, because you have all these actors to fit, so right. you'll get their sizes, and then you get things that are their sizes and maybe things that are a bit bigger and a little bit smaller. So you can kind of, if, if they don't have their sizes correct, you're right. not like right. at a loss. So you kind of over shop, over pull. And the 90s were big anyway. Yeah. Oh my God. I was back then. Yeah. So I have some sport coats <laughs> still and I can't get through a doorway because yeah, the, yeah. the, the shoulders shoulder were so wide. And yeah. And I would, I would pad the sh already padded shoulders. To give it more of that Armani vibe. You must have looked very powerful. I didn't right. have any complaints. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um. <laughs> but, but when you have that, you are just too much. <laughs> when you have, when you have that, you know, sheer number, either a sheer number of costumes, like with the extras, or in a period piece, how do you go about sourcing and um, sourcing clothes? Well, like you'll do like a big pull at the beginning, uh, depending on the budget. Um, so in you know, you, with the background, that's always, that's always, for me, the biggest challenge mm -hmm. because 
you have a budget and you're you know you're really concentrated on the on the leads and all the actors and then you have all the day players and then you have all the background and they don't they they won't tell you really if there's going to be five people in the background or 20 or 50 or right and that could change based on how (laughs) the shot looks right yes yeah yeah and how much budget's left yeah they're (laughs) like 200 (laughs) oh yeah you know there's gonna be 10 or yeah so you prepare for 200 and 10 are all it is that's incredible yeah i mean just i mean so we will have we'll pull like a, a big stock if it's going to be you know 90s and we're going to play it for the 80s we'll do a big grab mm-hmm. and then and then you just kind of start to narrow it down right with specific things that then come up in the next script or you're calling la like i gotta get you know uh 1980 white tuxedos i need mm-hmm. 10 of them you know yeah. send them and what wow. size oh i don't know uh what size 38 to yeah. 48. 40. <laughs> yeah, right. The range. Well, and with vintage being such a big thing right now, what would you recommend to somebody in terms of where to get those types of clothes? Well, I guess I would start locally. There's okay. shop um, local, shop wherever local. you are, whatever shop market local. you're in. Yes. Yeah. See what they have. Um, because in Austin, in New Orleans, there's great resources mm-hmm. all over really yeah, yeah. la yeah uh, certainly manhattan with arizona the arizona yeah. yeah and you know um we have a good friend ken weber who has vintage martini in mm-hmm. dallas and i think he's one of the top guys top stores in texas wouldn't you think as far as yeah that's a fun store really elegant eloquent and his eye is just so pristine it's it blows me away that's what a he fun has store, yeah. yeah because i know you've sourced from there before we went there yeah and um Cat's Meow in Midland is amazing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that well, like with Big Spring? Is that where you got a lot of your Iron Orchard clothes? Because, you know, that's a Midland pretty nearby. Re- yeah, I was going to say Big Spring's a pretty remote area. It was, yeah. We had, we had, um, we would go there to fill in some blanks or to to add accents. Right. Some How good, cool. Some and good I mean, accents. So really, you never know where you're going to find something great. Right. Don't you find that with that sort of thing, it helps if a market had money to begin with, to have nice things that then became vintage that are then available, sort of. Like if, like Midland ha- has had a lot of oil money, right? Yes, so the yeah. vintage there is, I'm sure it's great, vintage everything, because there was money there. Right. Um, and I think he also he, uh, his name's Stephen, he sources from all over the world yeah, too. Yeah. So Those guys are so connected and interconnected as well, which is so cool. Um, on that note, all right, so, and you've also done another period film about Amy Simple McPherson. Yes. The sort of, the, she was a woman ahead of her time. She was an evangelist back in the 1920s. Yes. And she was a huge sensation. She was the Kardashian of her day. <laughs> I mean, she was that famous. Good, good she was, analogy. She was very yeah. famous. Yeah. And I, before the project, I had never heard of her. And, um, and so then I, um, I read a book about her. And it was fascinating. Yeah. I was like, wow, Complex. she was very famous. And, and then the kidnapping. And that was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. About her. It's just this kind of this hoax, mm-hmm. kind of kidnapping publicity stunt, if you will. Yeah. I don't, it's still kind of a mystery. Yeah. Right. And so the, the story kind of plays with that mystery in a, in a, fun, in a fun way. So it, so that was 1920s then. That 1920s. You had to wow. That was an interesting period for yes. costuming. Yeah. That was, I mean, that's a very glamorous period um that was a challenge because it was pretty low budget yep. um but uh i found a source in san francisco 
a theater company. Oh yeah. Wow. And, um, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> go to the go to your earlier origins, the drama <laughs> games. Exactly. <right>? When in <laughs> doubt, go back. Go yes. back from which you came. Yeah. How uh, cool. Yeah, that was fun. And um, she, a lot of her, her. Uh, the big part of her is her performance gown. And mm-hmm. so I know I couldn't rent that. So we made that. She created that. Yeah. And now, isn't that the one that is in all of the promotional materials as well? Yeah. Which, I, you know, I didn't really think of that, you know, when I was making the dress and then I was like, oh, yeah, there she is in wow. the dress. Yeah. And what's really cool, I've learned a little fun fact about Juliana mm-hmm. Hoffpower recently mm-hmm. is that you just learned to sew. By that YouTube. Duh. Oh, <laughs> speaking I mean, of you YouTube and the YouTube series, yeah. yeah. I mean that's so cool because <laughs> costuming is—it's a little bit different than the the act and the art of sewing, right? And and being a dressmaker and and that sort of thing. So for you to learn that can only you know enhance what you're about in your career. Yeah, there are costume designers that have that are um, seamstresses in their own. They've come from you know a big huge skill set in that way and then there's some that have just kind of fallen in and have a good eye and and uh, I mean because costume designing is not just making the costume right. it's it's uh it's organizing and executing and um just a lot of things are going on yeah at once so so much to it yeah so it is I did learn on the job. Oh, that's so <laughs> well, awesome. So, so I love in, it. In terms of organizing and executing, one question I've always wanted to ask you is, when an actor or actress gets a role, ha- do you design clothes or do you do a wardrobe around the around the actress? Or if it's like an Amy Simple McPherson, do you try to design around the historical character or some hybrid in between? Right, so with Amy Simple McPherson, I you know, just got a, got my hands on whatever photos I could get. And she had um, a whole gamut of white gowns. Mm-hmm. And um, so... And white's tough to shoot. Yes. As we well know. Yeah. yeah. And, but So did you do off-white from a camera standpoint or... Was it pretty much spot it on? It was a cream. Okay. And right. we had Uh-oh, two secrets dro- are <laughs> there you being go. revealed every five minutes here. <laughs> I mean, buckle up, folks. We're, we're, we're not even close <laughs> to being done here. We had two dresses. Uh, we made two dresses. And uh, I, had, I had bought one fabric in New Orleans. And then when we needed a dance double, I found that out here in Austin. And so then went out and bought another. Gotcha. And... Uh, and then it we it kind of worked out because it was more the shiny version was when she was you know mm-hmm. all glammed up and mm-hmm. then the duller one is when you know when things were kind of uh, not so glamorous and a scene that I you know I don't want to like ruin anything. No spoiler <laughs> alert. No spoiler <laughs> but, alert. But by the way, but since it, she was famous in the twenties, she is dead now. So there's she's dead. She's dead. So you have a little artistic license that you can take, right? Yes. With that sort of thing. Yeah. As opposed to a living character or something that's of more recent memory. Yes. Yeah, so in real life she wasn't really a tap dancer. Mm-hmm. But in this movie she is. Okay. She's a tap dancing evangelist. And so we made her dress a little shorter so we could see the feet. Right. Got Which it. a lot of yeah. dancers back then had shorter skirts to show off the knees and the and the, the motion of their legs, right? Which is kind of cool. Yeah. We, we had her below the knees because she was knee. still a little, you know, prim. Um, prim. Gotcha. But, uh, but 
you know, in her real life, it was, you know, pretty long. Gotcha. And she had, she had all sorts of different versions. And so we kind of just went with like a more of an angelic. So, and look. I think a lot of people seeing your film will, will also see that the, like, the skirt length in the 20s, it wasn't all short flapper stuff. I mean, a lot of the 20s went and it did not occur, and it was not that until much later, like 26 on. Yeah, we didn't go really for the flapper look in this. It was because it was, you know, she was in L.A. and she was preaching to the masses of, you know, kind of, Keeping it everything prim and proper, right? And well, so. was, yeah, people were different then. They were they were prim and proper. So another inside secret is that my grandparents actually went to go see Amy Simple McPherson in the 1920s in L.A. That's amazing. And because it was like going to see a Kardashian, I guess I don't know. It's such a phenomenon. <laughs> she had big productions. Like it, she had big, Hollywood yeah. people. Showbiz. Holly, she had Hollywood. She had Hollywood costume designers. She had Hollywood prop makers and set designers. And like Charlie Chaplin would come see her. Yeah, her she was shows a phenomenon. And, yeah. yeah, and they were long too. People were stuck because she would. <laughs> from what, uh, that, one of the great family folklore of my family is my great uncle Egan, who um, lived out there as a young man actually all of his life. And he said, "I wish I had a crying baby." to carry out because <laughs> he wanted an excuse to leave and no one, no one left. You were kind of held captive. Oh, wow. Right. Or for, you know, just for the fear of what would happen to you if you left. The, <laughs> call you out. You, sir, hey, in the you, back. You're going to help. And yes. so that would explain a lot of things. But now where does your style originate from? Yeah. My style. Yeah. Your personal style. Cause you come from a very stylish family. Well, thank you. Very much so. Um, well, I, I do have influence from my mother. Patty Hoffpower. Yes. She's always been a stylish lady yeah. ever since I can remember. Very much so. I love that wedding um, picture of your parents that Aww. she posted. So charming. So yeah. chic. I love looking at those wedding photos. Um, and I remember her making party dresses and stuff like that. So she's always had an eye and an interest in fashion. And um, I would say that my interest wasn't really in that for a long time. I was more interested in theater and film and and um, I've I've worked several departments in the film industry. Just yeah. Going Don't you think that offers a good range for your background, though? I mean, so yeah. you kind of know what everyone does, what it what it takes to do for that department. I just love when everyone comes together to tell a story, and um, and I think I just found that my my biggest comfort level is in the costume department. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I do like to work with the actors because, you know, I used to like to act. And, yeah. And, your um, people, your time. So, so yeah. what, what is that, you know, how, how def, define how the collaboration of that works or the process of working with an actor to c- bring something to life, especially if it's a period piece. Right. Well, I mean, and, and I kind of learned that a lot. Almost it's kind of like customer service in a way where you have a big pool and you have your ideas. But it's ultimately also the actor, they have their ideas, and then the director and the producers, they have their ideas. Yeah. So, you, A lot of ideas. Uh, yeah, Oof. you know, and so what you think is not necessarily what they think, but you want to give them a range. Right. And so okay. in the in the fittings, you'll have a range of, of things that, how I like to approach is I like to try something that I think, and then I try to read their minds, like, and, and then I think he might like this, and then... You know, and then maybe they're they want to do something more simple. Okay. So, 
you kind of just want to kind of present a range of options and then also you can kind of if something's not working you can see the actor's not quite comfortable in it or they'll tell you or Mm -hmm. and you're just like "Mm, i'm not going to even present that one right Right. (laughs) yeah well and do you find that some directors are more engaged in the process of costuming than others yes i mean like either it's very important it's central to the character and what he or she is wearing is what they're all about because it's how they're projecting themselves and then so obviously directs the rest or is it you know sort of like well yeah let's make sure they're clothed <laughs> let's make sure they're we'll not, just start there let's make sure they're not <laughs> right. naked right I and mean, a potato sack it, will even do right do, do yeah. you feel like it's that dichotomous i mean i think a lot of times there's there are there's a lot of prep involved so you have meetings where there's like a tone meeting and there's a costume meeting and so these are the times where you you try to get on the same page yeah and so um so a good costume designer will be able to listen to that and then interpret it and then and then also collaborate with the actor and so then everyone's kind of feeling good so what do you do if because you've done so many period films and you're getting to be known for that as well as your other things in your career so what happens if, you know, like say olive green or browns, which were big in the 50s, not, it wasn't all turquoise and pink, right? I mean, those kind of drab colors. And an actress really doesn't want to wear that. What do you do? How do you get around that? Hmm. Or maybe that hasn't happened it, to you because you're yeah. so good at what you do. <laughs> you never use olive or brown. It, it I don't know. It hasn't really happened. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, unless it's in the script, like, and she's wearing a mustard brown mm-hmm. shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if he has a problem with it, sorry. Like, here, here's the, the director. Let's talk to the director. Is it, why is it mustard brown? Do you just want them to look drab? Right. How about brown instead of mustard? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. so, you, so you provide alternatives. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, gotcha. yeah. I mean, that, that's how you cover your bases so you're not like, day of they're like you know there's like chaos on set right (laughs) it's always good to avoid chaos avoid chaos on set always well i mean there's always there's so much stuff going on that right there there is like all these fires being put out and you don't want costumes to be you don't want to be a fire you don't want to be the fire (laughs) no let the the grips be the fire (laughs) exactly right yeah i mean but it's almost inevitable i mean everyone there's always there's always something so you just gotta you know so what so cool. what Figure era do you, what era you know in, in all the periods that you've done let's just say from the 20s to the 90s what era do you think had the most interesting fashion well i think um i think the 30s is pretty interesting coming mm-hmm. out of the depression and and then like before I mean, the 40s are interesting, too, and, and the 50s, 60s. <laughs> They're all interesting. But well, I, why the 30s? Cause yeah, why the 30s? pretty quickly. Yeah, well, like, I guess because I'm kind of I'm looking at it right now. But, um, you know, that's kind of the era of Coco Chanel and mm-hmm, Rita right. Kahlo. And right. there's just like, I don't know, it's just kind of exciting. It's and, this yeah. period of, like, almost chaos in the world and, mm-hmm, right. and uncertainty. And so I think that there was just um, like these interesting creative outbursts. Right. Interesting. A lot of ge- geometric prints too, right? In the thirties as well. And all, all sorts of prints, floral. I love the old prints. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, that's one thing that um, what I love about vintage clothing in general, the colors and the, and the, and the old prints. 
And today, it's hard to find. I mean, there are people doing it, but it's kind of. So on that note, that was going to be my next question. With clothing, say vintage clothing, it was, even though it may have been well-made, right, well-tailored, it was not made to last, and a lot of fabrics break down. How do you deal with that when you're, I mean, obviously you have to get the best quality that you can, but mm-hmm. is that tough? Do you see the wear and tear from behind the scenes, like like uh, for, from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, there's, um, I yeah, I mean, like with men's suits, there's, um, you know, the moths get to them. And right, so right, there's, yeah. So there's that. And the waistbands and, don't last. Yeah, and so with a good seamstress, you can, you know, do some seam repair Mm -hmm. and you know kind of fix that yeah um but uh and and then i don't know usually the vintage clothing i do come across has been taken care of been taken care of really Mm -hmm. well so uh, but they are they are delicate so you gotta be careful with them sometimes you want to sometimes you in some situations we've had to reproduce yeah, you know gotcha. like have to make a double mm-hmm. so you that's have to tough. and that's really tough so you have to it's like not or you you you'll need a double so you'll not necessarily make a you'll uh, <laughs> you'll take an original and then you'll make one and then make a double from that one so the right. so the original vintage piece Got served it. more as an inspiration Got it yeah no I get you and on that note cuz a lot of things that um, lasted long then and people didn't dry clean their clothes every week like they do now I mean it just was kind of a different world like you mentioned earlier they didn't have as many so you look at these old homes with with small closets well people didn't have a lot right, right. they had a good Sunday dress they mm-hmm. had a good Sunday suit or whatever few hats few I mean and, and they really took care of it because that's all there was right which is fascinating so kind of a, like a smaller pool from which to choose because there weren't that many clothes back then Right, and I think there was, I remember talking about this with someone, like, oh, there's just, like, everything is, like, so small. Mm-hmm. And they were smaller back then, but I think a lot of things that have survived are the ones, the pieces that weren't actually worn very much. Right. And so, like, the bigger sizes and um, were just worn more and then worn out. Gotcha, right. And, gotcha. like, you know, like, for vintage clothing, like, especially children's clothes, that's mm-hmm. really difficult. Right. Because no one keeps them. <laughs> right. Right? They're not, like, keeps Comma, they and just, like, children grow. <laughs> and they grow. <laughs> right. So the longevity of them yeah. anyway. Of the, yeah. Of and the clothes, not the children. The children grow up. Well, and even when you design costumes, I'm sure when you've designed for children, how do you handle when they grow three inches in a month, which is not impossible? No, yeah. We, ha- we have um, a baby in this show that I'm working on right now and and next actually twins yeah of course and um so we have to and then there's a baby dummy mm-hmm. and so we have to buy five right of each so thing. triple cuts wow. plus oh my yeah. gosh wow yeah and so they're and this growing is a stunt, these are stunt babies these too are stunt so they babies. can get dirty and roll around <laughs> in the sand and put out put out fires yeah and those babies are growing pretty quickly so they're also talking about replacing those babies with another stunt baby gotcha that looks twins. like well you know what you know my theory with babies they all look like winston churchill exactly they right. so yeah matter. they're interchangeable <laughs> cheeks right exactly it's all about the cheeks exactly <laughs> um you say cheeks or cheek 
Cheeks. 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 That's like the cheeky. word of the day. Like, right. That was the like British. Cheeky. And I think if someone, you know, had phoned in before or gotten a hold of us, they would have won a million dollars knowing the secret <laughs> world of <laughs> secret word of the day with cheeks. Cheeks. That's it. So what what would you so if someone who's interested because you really are a wealth of knowledge with vintage style and vintage fashion, what would you recommend to someone who is just wanting to update the not not even update their style but take back their style and kind of embrace those period earlier periods um i love vintage accessories mm-hmm. so that's okay. always jewelry bags yeah gloves scarves, scarves yeah. yeah you're wearing a scarf Hats. right now with your black strapless dress yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she came in costume. my shoulders are kind of yes. chilled right yes now. right um yeah so that's always an easy thing to start with and it's you know, not so overwhelming and it's kind of easy to wear and, um, you know. Yeah, that's a good, that's good advice. You could wear my necklace. There you go. I could yeah. wear your scarf. Yeah, you could. Right. Yeah, that's true. So on that same note, good question, Rob, here at Sex Success with Style, which we didn't even mention before, but that's okay. Yes. Everyone knows this by now. <laughs> um, how would you, what would you recommend to people getting started in your world of showbiz? Any advice? From the pro? (laughs) Well, most people, myself included, you start as a production assistant. And that is, you know, the low level. But that's where you learn um, about the long hours and the the hard work that goes into it. And then once you do that, then you'll decide if this is for you or not. and so, and, and as a PA, you kind of, you'll get to see how the different departments work. And so you can decide if you want to pursue costumes or um, the director side or Do you have a lot props. of costume assistants? Yes, depending on the project. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Meaning at that level who can carry out the menial tasks to really observe and learn. The world of costuming. Yeah, I mean, we have usually we'll have a PA. Sometimes there's an intern. Um, the PA is a paid position. The intern is you know usually a student from college, and uh, and then it just depends on the budget of the show. But um, like right now, the show I'm working on, there's a costume designer, there's a costume supervisor. Mm-hmm. There's the key costumer, there's the truck costumer, there's two set costumers, there's the seamstress, and then there's additional That's a lot of people. That's a big costume department. That's a big costume department. how exciting. But it takes a lot of people. Everyone's busy all the time because you have your prep people and then you have your set people. And Yeah, who are really paying attention to your earlier point of continuity. Yes. Which means that if someone has a flipped up collar Mm -hmm in one scene and they go back to do the over the shoulder shot or whatever two shot that the collar will remain flipped up or yes. whatever right. idiosyncrasies that can happen mm-hmm. as people move it's tough with with real people with humans because they you know they move and things move and yeah and then there's reshoots where yeah. you know it's they go back like a, a month later and it's like oh god you gotta match it <laughs> so you i would think that you have to really um put in order chronologically and just for your own reference in case there are reshoots with Paul. Do people use Polaroids anymore? Not really. Okay. No, yeah, iPhones. I'm from the old days. <laughs> <laughs> iPhones. But I mean, you have to print out that yeah. and put it with something. Yes. Oh, it's a whole somewhere. thing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a whole, thing it's a whole we, there's an app for that. 
gift. There's an app for everything, it seems, anymore. What's it called? Sync on set. I love it. All yeah. right. Another inside tip. Oh, my yeah. God. I know. Them. I love yeah, so <laughs> Uploading photos and tagging them and, you know, it's the scene seven, episode four. Right. Day five. Isn't that something? That's so cool. Because, it, you know, back in my day when I did costumes and wardrobe and props and everything else before I started producing, you know, you had to have a really good eye. You had to not only the Polaroids, but you had to remember. And I'm still pretty good at that. Yeah, we were. I was talking to my costume supervisor the other day, and she was talking about the old days with the with the Polaroids. And this is pre two thousand, yes. by the way. Yeah, and it's like um, pulling over the side of the road and getting on the payphone and <laughs> yeah, you know, before that, cell phones, the good old days, like, right? Oh with God. an emergency, right? I mean, you know, yeah. What a cushy life we lead now. <laughs> Certainly in the world of costuming. Yeah, I mean, truly, I mean, it's, it's made a big difference. It, yeah. it has, but it's also more demanding. Everything yeah. is just like, oh, well, you know, you're going to get that tomorrow. Right. Uh, can't you have Amazon <laughs> deliver that overnight? Yes. Right? That sort of instant world. Yeah. Well, back in my costume days, we had to dry clean things, right? Mm -hmm. It dry, yeah. like, it, mm -hmm. like overnight. Mm -hmm. in the, like the washer, dryer, dry clean machines, mm. right? We in, send it out. Before, <laughs> but... You know, depending on the, and this is a big NBC right. show, right? So, I mean, things have changed and for the better, certainly with you leading the way. Well, Our special guest, well, Juliana exactly. We are so grateful that you joined us today. So much Thank fun. you for so having much us. For having me. Will you I come back? Because you, I think we could just sit here and spin yarns. <laughs> Another costume reference <laughs> idiom. <laughs> I've got a million of them. I mean, we didn't uh. we didn't really touch upon the '40s or the '60s too much in, in some of the period pieces. Right. So yeah, we we've got to have you back. It's to all talk about okay. Some so other before errors. we leave, tell us one trend that you love right now that you think yours is going to last, or one that that you'd like to come back, a trend you'd like to come back, or just one quick little snippet for our audience. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> de -de -de. A trend that I like to see yeah. right now. Maybe personally for you that you oh. really enjoyed and you'd like to see come back or would recommend to others. Well, Besides I long love black hats. Okay. Oh. I love hats. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. It keeps your head warm. It keeps your hair in place. It's a style statement. And yes, it is. It's a style statement. Yeah. Okay. So hats. Hats, everybody. That's hats. the that's, And hats off to hats Juliana off to Hats off oh, to you. Oh, so true. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. And thank you for joining us with thank you so Success much. with Style. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So much fun. And this is Lance Avery Morgan, and I'm Rob Giardinelli signing off for Success with Style, reminding you that great style simply starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.